Yeah. Guys, 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 guys. What? Yeah, say what? Guys, we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware, but we are going to the Super Bowl. Very- We're going to the Super Bowl! The Denver Broncos are going to the Super Bowl! Welcome to episode 23 of MHR Radio Podcast. This is our 23rd episode, Kyle. What episode we- three. That's pretty appropriate because next week, the Super Bowl week, will be episode what? 24. Making For it who? the Champ Bailey episode. Absolutely. But this week we're episode 23, meaning we're honoring the original Bronco, the original Bronco, the first selection in the 1960 AFL draft for the Broncos, Goose Conson. He was also a member of the secondary. So we got the safety this week and the best corner to ever play for the Broncos next week. And Goose Conson actually still holds a bunch of uh, records for the Broncos. Like, I mean, as of a few years ago, he still held the... NFL, or I'm sorry, the Denver Broncos career interceptions records. I mean, he's he's a ring of famer. He's an AFL Hall of Famer um, several times uh, in the All-Pro and all that crap. So, uh, Goose Gonsolin episode, going old school, and then next week yeah. we'll go new school. Making making that record even more, I guess, impressive is the fact that Goose only played six seasons in the NFL, and they only had ten, ten games for the whole time. <laughs> That's actually really impressive. Okay, neither of those things are true, but <laughs> he played eight seasons and they were mostly 14-game seasons. But uh, Goose had a, had a great career as a Bronco. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we the Broncos, I, were, how, were you nervous about the – once the game started, were you nervous about the Broncos losing on Sunday? I wasn't too nervous. You know, I was kind of nervous, excited the whole week. I talked about it a little bit on the blog. Um, you know, the week before up to the division game, I was nervous, petrified, uh, pardon my French, scared shitless. I mean, we, we were, we, I was nervous. We, a lot of Broncos fans were nervous because we choked a year ago. Mm-hmm. We choked at the divisional round. And here come the Chargers who beat us in week 15 or whatever that was. Um, they, they beat us pretty good and thoroughly. And you had to be nervous a little bit. Everybody was talking about Peyton Manning's playoff record and all of those choke jobs. You were a little nervous. You, you just had to be a little the Chargers game had me a little bit nervous. I just feel like the Bron- the Broncos don't lose in my history, in my brain. They don't lose games like the New England Patriots game. What they lose is games like the Baltimore Ravens game or the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And they just they step up when they need to step up, and when they have a, an opponent like a six seed, you know, AFC wildcard team that they happen to be playing in the AFC championship, then likely they're going to lose that game. And I don't know why that is. So you're saying they feed off the doubters. Maybe that's it. <laughs> when, when they're the favorites, they get they get lackadaisical a little bit. They they get full of themselves. They're like, oh, we got this. And then, you know, they get spanked and they get humbled. But when there are doubters and there are people leading up to the Patriots game and the Chargers game talking about – Peyton Manning being this big choke artist, they, they fed off of those doubts. Is that what you're saying? Because I kind of agree with that. You've seen – I mean you've been in the locker room. That, that big sign that they walk out and they all tap on it says, let your haters be your motivators. I'm, I completely just made that up, but I thought it would be very funny if I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I didn't know they did that. I thought it was something about 5280, welcome to Mile High. It, it Good luck says, breathing. Yeah. And then underneath it, it says, let your haters be your motivators. 
It was, it was a, it's a relic from the DJ Williams days. <laughs> oh, we're, we're quoting DJ Williams in this episode. I thought he was a, he, he's, he's a chapter long gone. We've turned the page from that. The Broncos are in the Super Bowl because they beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots 26 to 16. They took a three and own lead in the first quarter and they never relented. They whooped New England. Yeah, and I think one player who will not get the credit that he deserves, but who scored at least half their points was Matt Prater. That was a great point in the game balls. The MHR game balls. Who did that? Topher Dahl? I can't remember who said that, but uh, one of our staff members called out, we had 26 points. Matt Prater kicked 16 of them. We had two two touchdowns for 12 points, or 14 of them. 14 out of the 26 points we had were uh, Matt Prater points so well done Prater you didn't uh, kick the kick the turf like you did in the playoffs last year so all is forgiven <laughs> assuming you do all right in the Super Bowl all will be forgiven and who did you end up did you end up giving a game ball or no yeah I didn't end up giving a game ball uh, I, I don't know who all, all gave out game balls of course I'd give one to Peyton Manning Terrence Knight it was a huge game ball if he didn't get yeah. one he got one right yeah, yeah me, he got one. Me. okay good Terrence Knight needed a game ball um, you know I, I gave mine to Danny Trevathan, who I don't feel like has gotten enough credit this season. Uh, he led the team on Sunday in tackles, but he's also led the team in tackles for the season. And, and you know, amongst you, – you look at a roster at the beginning of the season, you see Vaughn Miller, you see Wesley Woodyard, um, Danny Trevathan, Nate Irving. Danny Trevathan's probably not going to lead the team in tackles out of those names, and he, he did, and he was the most consistent – linebacker in that court no he he has really emerged as one of the better defenders on the broncos you know i'm gonna i'm gonna tease a feature i haven't even told the staff about this but i'm working on something i'm working on annual mile high report awards where the staff members and readers combine to vote for most valuable player um offensive mvp defensive mvp and i'm 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 the one creating the nominations i haven't told anyone about this so this is kind of breaking news um and I'm breaking down the defensive MVP nominations for this year, and I've got Terrence Knighton, I've got Dominic Rogers Cromartie, I've got Chris Harris, and I want five nominees. And guess who made my list? Danny <laughs> Trevathan. Danny Trevathan made my list. He's going to be one of the five nominees. He just had a consistent season, and he contributed more than someone you would expect, like Vaughn Miller or Chan Bailey. These guys who you go into the season thinking, oh, these are going to be our all-star defenders that are going to lead this defense. I mean, they were hurt. They didn't contribute as much. A guy like Danny Trevathan stepped up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who that fifth fifth nominee would be. I guess I put Sean Phillips. Sean up. Phillips. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe Sean Phillips or, or uh, Malik Jackson. But Sean Phillips led the team in sacks. You got to put him up there somewhere. Yeah, Malik Jackson had a good year, but he didn't play as many snaps as these guys. I kind of made it a rule that they had to play at least fifty percent of the snaps, unless it was a running back. I think Noah Marino was just under fifty percent of the snaps, so I, he's one of the offensive nominees. Anyway, one thing that I've been just adamantly vehemently against has been the way that the Denver Broncos have drafted since 2011. Look at the 2011 draft. Yes, they started off really sharp with Von Miller, um, Raheem Moore, Raheem Moore um, Quentin Carter, who was good until he's been hurt the last two seasons. But then you look at Julius Thomas, Virgil Green. You know, they, they get all these guys in the, in the fifth and the sixth round is just gold. Nate Irving, Danny Trevathan, um, this season, who did they pick up? They picked up Kayvon Webster. was a little bit of a reach in a lot of people's opinion in the fourth. It's The jury's still out. Um, but on, you, on the other guys, the, the jury's definitely still out. This, I mean, we only had real 
like rookie of the year was another word I had to come up with, and I only had three nominees. I had Monte, Ball, Sylvester Williams, and Kayvon. They were the only really contributors from our rookie class. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like if you look at him one year, like if you looked at Raheem Moore after his first season, people were just like, he's a bust. You know, he's he's not worth anything. Quentin Carter is way better than Raheem Moore. Quentin Carter gets hurt. And Quinn Carter was good. Like, you, you remember that game in the playoffs, that first season? Yeah, he had season. that one game. He had that one playoff game where everybody was just like, oh, my goodness, this is our next star. We haven't seen anything since, obviously, because he's been hurt. Yeah. I never I never jumped on the bandwagon. One game one game is one game. Um, Chris Harris was a Josh McDaniels pickup. But, there, yes, yeah, so, I mean, but the, the other undrafted rookies, there seems to be like, like Steven – Johnson, he's a special teams guy. They just they get guys in the late rounds, and the guys in the early rounds not so much. Monte Ball kind of destroys that role, but and Sylvester Williams came on strong towards the end of the year, which is probably when you'd expect a rookie defensive tackle to come on strong if he's going to come on at all this rookie season. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to play defensive tackle in this league. Sylvester Williams is impressed. So are you saying you have been impressed, or you have not been impressed? I thought I, I heard you say you have not I'm, been impressed. Oh, <laughs> I'm apologizing a little bit. I'm still a little bit upset about the. The Brock Osweiler, Ronnie Hillman, Derek Wolf triumvirate that we missed a lot of talent on. But um, Derek Wolf, when he gets healthy again, uh, he had a good year until he got hurt. He yeah. was really coming on strong right before he got hurt. That that Patriots game, he and Kevin Vickerson and Von Miller were just terrorizing the Patriots. Yeah, and we and they're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still okay. The we, we'll we'll get into the Seahawks much. A lot into Seahawks uh, much later, but mm-hmm. for right now, let's focus back on the New England Patriots games. It's, it's hard to focus on one little part because the Broncos, there was never really a time when I'm like, oh, man, they might lose it. Because as it got closer to the first half ending, Broncos score again. They get the ball coming out of half. I was like, it's over. Like, you know, they're not going to give this up. And I wanted to watch the first drive coming out of second, coming out of the um, coming into the third quarter. So coming out of halftime, I want to see that first drive. And I want to see encouragement. Broncos punted once the entire playoffs so far. <laughs> yeah, in the entire playoffs they punted once. I was disappointed by the field goals. Field goals, though. I mean, they kicked four field goals when they, you know, these these Broncos have been good in the red zone. Uh, they they obviously scored more points than anyone in NFL history. Uh, what what was up with? I yeah, I don't get what happened in our in our red zone offense because. There's there's one I don't remember when it was. Do you remember like Peyton basically got backed out of the end zone and I was like, Oh thank God, we can score now. <laughs> Do you remember that play? It was like a fifteen yard something rather, we got kicked or maybe it was a ten yard penalty and we got pushed back out of the red zone and I'm like, they have thirty yards to score, they can actually score here. But it was <laughs> That gave them a little more room to work with and, and stretch that defense vertically a little bit. Hey, it's a it's a it's legitimate. So it's sometimes pretty tough to score in that red zone because you got eleven players in a thirty yard <laughs> Vertical field rather than a fifty-yard vertical field. And you got a good quarterback. It's yeah, good to stretch the field. I mean, he's throwing it out of the back of the end zone. I didn't get that. I mean, he's looking at the player like he's, you know, he's pissed off. I'm like, you threw it out of the end. Of the end? You didn't even give him a shot. But I mean, you know, who knows what was actually happening? Peyton Manning's like, why didn't you jump up twenty feet? <laughs> I threw it. I threw the ball to where you're supposed to be to teach you a lesson. That's what. <laughs> um, pre-game, there was a there's a little cool anecdote. They had all four of the Broncos. Uh, Receivers did Wes Welker, Eric Decker, Demarius Thomas, and Julius Thomas. And, and I can't remember who was interviewing them. Someone was like, which one of you gets yelled at the most? And without, like, yep, Julius Thomas. <laughs> <I knew laughs> they, just, 
<laughs> raises his hand. He's like, me? And they, and the other three are just silent, kind of like looking down at their shoes. And he's like, I get yelled at for everything. I get, he's like, <laughs> and then Eric Decker starts it. And he's like, Peyton will yell at us in the pre-pre-game warm-up. <laughs> he's like testing them Ju- constantly. Julius is the butt of a lot of jokes. If you ever listen to Peyton Manning's press conferences, the Broncos' like official quote sheets take some of this stuff out. But he gets – made fun of a lot about like giving footballs to girls and things like that <laughs> like he's yeah. always he scores a touchdown and he's looking for a pretty girl to get the football to yeah julie, julie sexually responded to that the other day like i think a couple of weeks ago and he's like i don't need to give footballs out for my game like like his you know off-field game it's pretty funny <laughs> he gets a uh, you know ripped on peyton manning but that just means peyton manning likes you i think Demarius thomas had Demarius thomas shows on um 1023 i can't remember i think it might be on Mondays, or I, I don't remember exactly what Dave Demarius Thomas show is on 102.3, but um, he they were asking him, What did you do with the, the touchdown ball? Because I think Demarius Thomas caught the last, the 55th one, possibly. Mm-hmm. And Demarius Thomas, he's like, Do you have that ball in your possession? And Demarius Thomas goes, What do you think? <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to answer that question. He's like, who, who do you think has that ball, though? Oh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame has that ball until it's broken. Peyton right. Manning even sets up. They're going to have ball number 51, and they're going to have ball number 55. They're just going to have both because. Whatever they're the pro football, they're the pro football hall of fame, and they're just hoarders. <laughs> I suppose, but you know the Broncos came out and they really um, they beat up the Patriots. The this offensive line, I touted them pretty well. I did my you know scouting report on the Patriots offense, and I've talked about Nate Solder and Logan Mankins, the left tackle and the left guard of the Patriots, and about how good they've been all year. Well, the Broncos were able to stop the run completely. Garrett Blunt, who averaged seven yards a carry the week before, had like one point something yards per carry on seven carries. He was completely shut down. And then against the pass, we sacked Tom Brady three times. We saw, you know, Robert Ayers beat Logan Mankins and Nate Solder, just got right in, in between them. And you see Terrence Knighton, the leader of this defense, the defensive MVP of this season in my book, uh, you know, get past their center and get Tom Brady on a fourth down sack. This defense stepped up. The Broncos of old stay on the field on fourth down. Yeah. They 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 let the Patriots hang around. This defense did not. This defense is playing as good as the Seahawks defense in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This is going this is setting up for a great Super Bowl where not all the pressure is even on Peyton Manning. This Broncos defense can play. They can shut down Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks better be aware of that. The, the Denver Broncos, it's worth mentioning that the Denver Broncos still maintained, I mentioned it last week, they were the number one overall defense uh, going into the championship games, and now they, they remain the number one overall defense coming out of the championship games. And that's that's kind of cool because San Diego Chargers were the third overall offense mm-hmm. um, during the season, and the New England Patriots were the fifth overall offense. So it's not like they're playing bad offenses. They're not the Kansas City Chiefs playing third-string quarterbacks and looking badass. Like they're playing legit quarterbacks. They're playing. They're playing. You know, legends. Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. As much as it hurts me to say, those are good quarterbacks. Yeah, and the Seahawks did too. I mean, they played the Saints and the 49ers. Those are two teams that can put up points at times. Um, they they each held their opponents to total points of 32 and 33. So the Seahawks held their opponents to 32 total points, and in two games, the Broncos held them to 33 total points. Do those numbers ring a bell to any Broncos fans? I'm waiting for somebody <laughs> on Twitter to respond and say, hey, 32 and 33, I see what, I, you know, I'm tweeting out signs all the time on a superstitious guy. There's a sign for you right there, 32 and 33. Um, 
another thing that we discovered this I think kind of someone in in the the Mile High Riders room uh, discovered today was that the Seahawks were the fourth overall all time defense. Did you know this? Well, yeah, there are a lot of different ways to analyze this defense, and I'm writing a post about how good the Seattle Seahawks defense is. And according to one website that's just judging pass defense, they're like the third best pass defense of all time based on their metrics. Whatever combination of passing yards allowed and passing touchdowns, they're the third best ever. Right. And And that's pretty impressive. The the Broncos are a historic offense, and they're facing a historic defense in an era where it's all – about passing the football. That's what makes that all the more impressive. Being the best passing defense in 1950, well, what to do? Who's throwing against you that much? Being the number one passing defense in history in 2013, that's pretty impressive considering all the records that have been broken in the last 10 years. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of uh, unprecedented that, that this good of a defense would go up against this good of an offense. This is kind of like the game that you set up in Madden. You're like, I want to be the 19... 19- 63 Green Bay Packers, and I want to play the 1998. You know, like this is this is Denver that. Broncos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is that in real life. Um, one thing that that I can't get out of my head though is that the Seattle Seahawks had trouble this season. They lost the Colts, flat out lost. They had difficulty uh, beating the Titans, and they had a, a law. They had a really tough time beating the Texans. It came down to a last minute field goal. I know that we want to say any given Sunday, but that's three of the four teams in the AFC South. So I'm like, I don't know. Like it was the Broncos lost to the Colts Colts. So I'm not going to hold that against them. Right. They were a different team with Reggie Wayne and T Y helped them. When Reggie Wayne went down, the Colts just, (laughs) they they lost uh, their identity as a football team. They they just were not the same team after Reggie Wayne went down. So the combination of T Y Hilton and Reggie Wayne was really what their offense was about. Um, And the Seahawks lost to them. The Broncos lost to them too. Uh, you want to talk about the AFC South? The Broncos, you know, didn't have the easiest time with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, you just got to say it. It was kind of their their roughest game of the year to that point. They were up by like two touchdowns at halftime, but it felt like it felt like they were down two touchdowns at halftime. It just yeah. felt silly. Um, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discount the the toll a regular season takes. It is tough to play week in and week out in the NFL, and this is a young team, not an experienced team that that's you know all about winning 13 games a year. This is kind of new to them. I'm not going to hold it against them for having two tough games on the road across the country. We're going to go, and we're going to get a little bit more into specifically the Seahawks versus Colts game and the Seahawks versus Texans game because those are mutual opponents and those are you know teams that we can compare ourselves to and, and how we played. Um, what I want to get back to just for a second is something that, that a lot of people notice, but a lot of people may not know the significance of it, and that was the fact that Virgil Green had a carry. Why is that significant, Kyle? Virgil Green had a carry. That's significant because that was a big uh, birdie from the Broncos to Josh McDaniels, who runs an offense where the tight end can run the ball every now and then. That, that's a Patriots thing to do. Yeah, that's what they did with uh, someone. Who Aaron Hernandez. Current, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> so, someone who currently the NFL doesn't like talking about very much. You know, they'll have Aaron Hernandez run the ball. So the Broncos were like, "Hey, we can do that too, and we'll also beat you by ten points." Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, it was it was a uh, it was the Aaron Hernandez play. It was Virgil Green running the ball, and Virgil Green came the year after. He's been, I mean, he's been our fullback. He's he's the Broncos up to in the championship games. The Broncos were the only team without a fullback, and they employed one in Virgil Green, and they had Mitch on right out there. In fact, when I saw uh, Joel Dreesen's was it Joel Dreesen had a touchdown? 
was Jacob Tammy. Jacob, Jacob Tammy. Tammy. So Jacob Tammy, for whatever reason, looked huge when he caught the touchdown. I didn't catch the number, and I was like, Mitch Unrein just caught another touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> that is fun when Unrein catches those touchdowns, which is also kind of a Belichick move back in the uh, who was that Richard Seymour days? I can't remember who did that. Yeah, um, you get those two hundred eighty pound, three hundred pound uh, fullbacks. Uh, defensive tackles, or defensive tackles, yeah. Running out as tight ends and catching passes—that was a Belichick move. Hey, but we don't have to talk about Bill Belichick anymore. What did you take? What did you think of his comments about Wes Welker and Akeem Talib? How ridiculous was that? Yeah, was, they just don't like each other. And and Welker may have started it when he came over to Denver and he was talking about how you know what what the Patriot way was and how he wasn't allowed to say certain things. And it's weird that he's allowed to talk speak freely in Denver. Um, I the hit. I don't think the hit was nasty. I think the hit may have been a bit premature, but also the ball's coming behind Wes Welker. So how the hell does he know whether the pass has been caught or not? You know, it's like he's just doing the pick play. And you know where we got the pick play from? <laughs> right. It's a Josh McDaniels pick play. <laughs> and, I, you know, I've documented pretty well that it was nearly instantaneous when the ball hits Demarius Thomas's hands. What a stupid drop Demarius Thomas. But you, you had a great game otherwise. But, uh, yeah, Wes Welker, like you said, has no idea whether he catches the ball or whether he's touched the ball or not. The design of that play was to, you know, get open, maybe make contact with the receiver right after the catch. Uh, it was a very well-designed play. There's no way you call offensive pass interference on that. And the NFL is ruling that way. I just thought it was ridiculous and sour grapes from the hoodie, just ridiculous sour grapes from the hoodie, that he starts his press conference Monday morning unsolicited. Nobody asked him this question, and he just goes off for a minute and at the end of his minute, he just says, and, you know, reviewing the game tape, Wes Welker, you know, there was there was one of the worst plays I've ever seen. Absolutely no attempt to get open whatsoever, and I will let the NFL handle the discipline. It's not for me to decide. It's like, yeah. you're a smug SOB. That's, right. that's what you are, Bill Belichick. You have no right to even say any of that kind of stuff. The NFL will review that it wasn't flagged. There was no real controversy to it at all, except for the fact that Tlaib got hurt. It is right. unfortunate that Akeem Tlaib got hurt. No Bronco fan wants that. Right. Um, and Wes Walker certainly didn't want that. If you're going to send a heat-seeking missile out to take out the Patriots, you don't send a concussed one. You send Julius <laughs> Thomas. You send Virgil Green. You don't send Wes Welker. It, it was, and Wes Walker hit him in, in the chest. It was just right. – and it, and it was his shoulder. Silly. Wes Welker didn't use his head. Wes Welker didn't go at his knees. He didn't go at Tlaib's head. He hit him with his shoulder pad in the chest. Like it's uh, – I don't know. It couldn't – if if you're going to do a pick play, that's the way I would assume you would draw up the pick play. Um, and it's unfortunate. Boo-boo, Bill Belichick. <laughs> it's unfortunate that, that Tlaib got uh, hurt. But we were already owning him by that point. It's not like it was a fourth quarter thing. We like, we got to take out a keep Tlaib. Like, no, it's not the case. Anyway, it feels good to be on the way to the Super Bowl. It's been 15 years, 15 years since the Denver yeah. Broncos were headed to the big game, and, it's, and it feels right. And, it, and we beat, you know, we beat the teams that we needed to beat along the way. There's, there's, there's no question on the way up. We didn't, we didn't backpedal into the playoffs. We didn't backpedal into the Super Bowl. We beat, you know, I, I wanted to play the Chargers for this very reason because the Chargers were the hot team. They came in hot. We beat them. Patriots were the only question left. We beat them. And now we get to play Seahawks, who arguably is the NFL's darling team right now. That's, that's the people that, that uh, you would want us to play at the game season. Those are the people that – that's a team that you're like, hey, these guys are going to the Super Bowl. So we're going to play that team in the Super Bowl. It's not like we're playing the Carolina Panthers or the New Orleans Saints or something. 
yeah, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. This is an opportunity for the Broncos to do that. And uh, they're, they're the NFC's best. They absolutely are the NFC's best. It's number one versus number one. And it's going to be exciting as hell. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk uh, all Seattle's, all Denver Broncos. And uh, we'll see you in a second. Sweet baby Jesus on fire, I'm gonna need a damn lawyer and a miracle to pull my ass out of this devil kept poking the ball, so I should be right the mow down beat, cause I was over it. Should've done my getting to the birdie, but what if she's a zombie or a Dracula? I better hang on to this rock. Let's send you down to the field and Aaron Andrews. Joe, thank you so much. Richard, let me ask you the final play. Take me through it. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Who was talking about you? Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to send it for you real quick. L.O.B. All right, before... And Joe, back over to you. Welcome back. I'm hoping that Jan didn't play uh, Nine Inch Nails Animal again. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that was the lovely Richard Sherman speaking to the also lovely Aaron Andrews post game in the uh, San Francisco loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Do you remember what Stanford, happened? The Stanford educated uh, nature of communications, Richard Sherman. That that was him. I mean, that's that's kind of mind-boggling. That somebody that you know well-versed in communicating. I mean, you have to wonder if he planned that and said every word uh, exactly how he meant it. You really do wonder that. <laughs> you gotta wonder about a guy who gets a who gets a scholarship to Stanford and majors in communications. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. You're in like an Ivy League school. You're like, I'm going to go there for communicate. You, you don't really go to Harvard for the communications program, you know? Well, Stanford, and you, you go, you go on an athletic scholarship, and you play football, and you just pass your test to play football. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how it works in college. I'm sure. <laughs> What's his name? Um, Florida State. He, he was like a, a, a neuroscience major or something. He, he, the dude couldn't put together a sentence. Like that's the way you do college football. If you're going to go to college football, you're going to get a scholarship. You pick something besides communications. Pick something besides general education. Get your get your nuclear physics on. They're going to pass you anyway. <laughs> do it. It took me it took me nine years to graduate college, so I should just shut up about making fun of people who go to college and finish in four years with good grades. <laughs> that's that's my that's my humble pie. But uh, Richard Sherman said all these things about Crabtree, not about my high report, and. Uh, he, uh, he is the hottest name on the internet in the sports media world right now. He's always been a big name. He's extremely talented. He's pr- probably the best cornerback in the NFL right now. And he backs, it up. he backs that talk up. He talks more than anyone, and he plays better than anyone. And the Broncos and Peyton Manning are going to face him in you know 10 days in Super Bowl 48. Yeah, and, and even more scary, you got like, – who, who's the safety? Cam Chancellor. Like these, there's names on Seattle's defense that are just frightening. Cam Chancellor, 235-pound safety. Like these guys, they don't tackle. They're not tacklers. They're like wallopers. Like you catch the ball and you get walloped. Or and, intercepted. They have an insane number of interceptions on the year. 
And I think you, you actually mentioned this earlier. What was their issue in the red zone? I think it might have been the fact that the Broncos couldn't run the ball. They weren't running the ball very well within those those you know twenty yard lines, and they were being forced to pass. And I that's I imagine that's going to be the same situation in Seattle. They're going to force Peyton Manning to pass. They're going to let him in, come on into the red zone, and you're going to have to pass to get to get into the end zone. It's going to be a fascinating matchup because neither team has played an opposing unit nearly as good as the team they're about to face. The Broncos have not faced a pass defense nearly as good as Seattle. And Seattle hasn't faced a pass offense nearly as good as the Broncos. The closest thing really is, uh, we talked about it a little bit, the Indianapolis Colts from earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. They had T.Y. Hilton and they had Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck was playing really well and the offensive line was playing well. That was the closest to you know a really good offense the Seahawks have played. And you can almost say the same, it was the same team that the Broncos played. Uh, defensively, the Colts had a decent secondary and a de- decent pass rush. Um, so the, the the Colts don't come close to either team, though, right. in that strength. So this is going to be really fascinating to see how these teams handle being exposed to a whole new level of talent. Yeah, you mentioned the Colts. Two things about the Colts. The Colts, uh, T.Y. Hilton had like 150 yards receiving on the Seahawks defense. They, they managed Reggie Rain. Reggie Wayne pretty well. He had like under 70 yards. But uh, the Colts game for the Broncos, that was the first time the Broncos receivers had actually been dealt a physical blow by defensive backs. They'd never really been bumped as hard as they were against the Colts. The Colts knew to knock them off the routes early. They've adjusted since then. The San Diego Chargers did something similar uh, in their second game. Uh, Broncos were able to adjust for the third game. But yeah, there's, there's not a defense like this in the AFC. Uh, not a comparable defense. Another team that Seahawks had issues with, um, I mentioned earlier, was the Houston Texans. Andre Johnson had a really good game. Um, and Case Keenum was the quarterback. So he's not really comparable to anybody in the league. He he came off really strong. And and as long as Gary Kubiak was there to call the plays, it seemed like he was okay, but then fell off after Gary Kubiak left. But... Comparable to Russell Wilson that the Broncos have played. They played Mike Vick earlier in the year. Um, That wasn't much of an issue. Terrell Pryor, I guess. Running quarterbacks. I'm really interested in the offense versus the defense. That's where the strength lies. And, you know, there there are other names that are pretty interesting. You want to know another interesting name on the Seattle defense? How about Earl Thomas? Are you familiar with the story of Earl Thomas? (laughs) Yeah, tell for the the, uh, listeners. the Broncos, uh, one of the worst draft picks of the last 10 years was Alfonso Smith. Uh, it was a big trade. Um, Denver jumped up by trading their next first-round draft pick to draft Alfonso Smith. He lasted one year in Denver, and the, it was just a colossal failure. And the Seahawks used that pick that they got from the Broncos to nab safety Earl Thomas from Texas, who's you know been like a three-time All-Pro <laughs> defensive yeah. player of the year candidate. Um, he's... He is the leader of the Seahawks defense, Earl Thomas is. And, you know, the Broncos spent that pick plus another pick to get a completely wasted guy in Alfonso Smith. I don't, yeah, who's currently out of the NFL, but spent some time in Detroit. Yep. Um, and, and then on top of that, that Earl Thomas pick, uh, Pete Carroll skipped over one of his own guys. I can't remember who it was from USC. He's not. Like a huge star right now in the NFL, but he's not a bad player either. But he skipped over him to draft Earl Thomas, so he like slapped his own 
USC alumnus in the face yeah. to grab our talents. He was right. I mean, Earl Thomas has been amazing. That's what's um, always interesting to me. Like these college coaches come out of the come out of college ranks in the NFL and they draft someone that you've never heard of, and you're like, how the hell? How the hell did Chip Kelly know about Nick Foles? You know what I mean? <laughs> like those well, that, that's what the draft season's all about. And I'm just glad that the Broncos aren't in draft season yet. Thirty well, other teams are are watching Senior Bowl week right now. Spotted Broncos the and the Seahawks. We are watching Super Bowl week right now. You spotted someone at the Senior Bowl from the Broncos administration. I did. The Broncos. The Broncos never sleep. There was John Elway in the stands at a Senior Bowl practice, which means you know that, that tells you that Matt Russell and other guys are there too. Yeah. Um, hopefully, hopefully Tom, the game. Tom Eckert and Matt Russell and uh, who's the other guy? I'm missing the third piece of that triumvirate. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so Richard, um, Richard Sherman's a lot of talk. Richard Sherman. He's, Richard he's talking back to, to the 49ers. Here's what he had to say about the Broncos, though. He actually uh, had some really positive things to say about the Broncos. Definitely, there's a mutual respect of opponents in the Super Bowl. He said, the Broncos stand in our way, and it's a large obstacle. They've got the smartest quarterback in football and and receivers who are large, mostly, explosive to football and run great routes. It's the number one offense versus the number one defense. It's a match made in heaven, and we couldn't be more excited. (laughs) So you got... I mean, he's can only. That's cover, a communications major right there. That sounds really good. I like that. He can only cover one, and you know what? He does all the right stuff. Like you, you read him in um, on Peter King's website. Mm-hmm. He writes the article, and he's like, you know what? I, I after the after the play in which I you know knocked the ball away that turned into an interception, I swatted Matt, Michael Crabtree on the butt, and I went to shake his hand. That's yes, that's exactly what happened, but it's not the context in which it happened. Richard Sherman runs up to you with a shit-eating grin on his face. Excuse my French. He runs up to you with that that little brother grin after he just whipped yeah. your butt in something. Yeah. And he wants to oh, shake your hand. Grin. Oh, little brother grin. <laughs> I feel like beating up my little brothers right now. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, he, he watched you. That, and then that's when he wants to shake your hand. So yeah, he's not wrong. He did want to shake your hand. But he wanted to shake your hand because he just whooped you. It wasn't like a, hey, man, you're a great, worthy opponent. I really respect you. It's a, hey. I just whooped your ass, and I need you to shake my hand now. <laughs> look at my look at my face right now, and shake my hand. <laughs> look look at me, look at me smiling. When you yeah, see, see that, and I don't know who that was. I, I think it might have been either the Falcons or the Redskins. Like someone punched him in the face. He wasn't wearing a helmet anymore. It was after the game. It was an offensive lineman. He wasn't wearing his. Uh, he was wearing his helmet, and he's like, "You better get out of here before I bleep and bleep and bleep in your face." And Richard Sherman steps back up and gets whacked. And I don't remember exactly what the repercussions of that were, or what the context of it was beyond that, but. Richard Sherman almost got his jaw broke by a 300-pound anchorman. <laughs> so that same thing. You can see it's, he's got the shit-eating grin on his face again, and he's running up to shake someone dude's hand that he has no business shaking and <laughs> gets socked in the mouth. <laughs> that, that sounds like that Bronco fan who uh, got beat up by the Chargers fans on that oh. video. He was just running around cheering. I mean, I, I hate fan fights. I want Broncos fans to be classic. They've been in a lot of fan fights this year. Chiefs game after the Broncos game when they lost. There was shootings. Uh, and then, and then that fight broke out after the divisional playoff game. Broncos fans, just stay classy. You don't, you don't need to be the, the little brother grin when we beat them. We've been here before. Let's win this class. I think uh, that's. Um, I don't remember who uh, Drew Layton, the the famous um, cartoonist, I guess for the for the Broncos, not for the Broncos, but of the Broncos. He he contributes to to Nine News and Denver Post. He had gotten a hold of some language the Broncos fans were asking. He made a public plea this week to stay classy and to not uh, 
as if we've been here before because we have. This is the Broncos' sixth, seventh, seventh Super Bowl. Um, and uh, you actually have some weird random facts, don't you, Kyle? About the Super Bowl, like we're, we I have tons of facts. I'm I'm an encyclopedia of facts. The Broncos will be wearing orange because AFC teams in in even Super Bowl games, AFC teams are the home team, and in odd Super Bowl games, NFC teams are the are the home team. So this is Super Bowl 48. The Broncos will be the home team. They're wearing orange. What's they their got record? To choose that. They got to choose their color. Uh, That's the interesting part. So what is uh, what's the Broncos' record in orange? In Super Bowls. In Super Bowls. Uh, yeah, if you were to ask me in all time, I'd be like, uh. <laughs> in Super Bowls, they have played in three Super Bowls wearing orange, and they are a big 0 for 3. They're 0 for 3. 0 and, 3. In, and then they're they're 1 and 1 in white. Yep. And they're 1 and 0 in blue. Yep. That Navy, they wore it once. The first Super Bowl they won. This one's for John, <laughs> and that's the only one in blue. Who is – let's look ahead. You're – I mean, I don't want to get into the personal life of Pat Bullen, but Pat Bullen at the end of the game says, this one's for. Oh, man. I, I was I was actually wondering that for the last couple of years. And I was actually going to write a post exactly like that. This one's for dot, dot, dot. Because I want fans to tell me who they think. I think the narrative, and that's like the hottest words. In, I hate jumping on hot sports words bandwagons. Storylines used to be. Now it's narrative. Anyway. The storyline uh, of this in, in Denver has become about Champ. It has. It has become about Champ Bailey, um, his redemptive AFC Championship game, uh, that performance there. He played very well. And it's become about Champ. It's become for Champ. I think it is going to be for Champ if the Broncos win. But do you know, I, I have a theory. You want, you want to hear my theory, Ian? Or, or do you want to go with yours first and I'll go jump back with my theory? No, go, go on with yours. I think this has been the year of Pat Bowen. He, um, in his 30th year with the club, broke a lot of records, broke a lot of franchise records. And this Super Bowl appearance will tie him for the most Super Bowl appearances of an owner owning a team with six, tie in Robert Kraft for the Patriots. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if John Fox or Peyton Manning takes that Lombardi trophy and intercepts it and says, hey, this one's for Pat. Uh, he's... Um, not as in control of the team as he used to be. He's kind of rel- relinquished control a little bit to John Elway. Maybe John Elway holds up that Lombardi trophy and says, this one's for Pat. That's that's my theory. If the Broncos win, John Elway holds it up and says, this one's for Pat. I mean, he's he's not, um, not to put him on blast, but I don't think he's as healthy as he always, as he was back then. And you kind of saw it after the AFC Championship game. He didn't even want to speak, really. He kind of just passed along the trophy over to John Elway, get, kind of giving you know John Elway the credit and it's a symbolic moment. And yeah, I think you might be right. If, if Pat Bullen were to scream, this one's for John, I don't know that either John would know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Which John? Who? Me? Who? Me? Fox or Elway? That's just funny. It'd be like Night at the Roxbury. Me? 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 me. <laughs> That's good. Uh, no, uh, leading into it, I thought it would be for Champ or it'd be for Peyton. And then lately, I just thought Elway's going to intercept the football, intercept the trophy, and say this one's for Pat. That's my theory. It's either going to be for Champ or it's going to be for Pat Bowen. I imagine. I think either of them deserve it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the narrative's going to sway towards Champ no matter what. I think locally, um, led by like Alfred Williams, they're trying to say, you know, this is for Champ. Uh, but I, I don't know why he's. Maybe just because he's so injured this season. Um, maybe it's just because there's 
you know, there's the writings on the wall, possibly as far as Champagne is concerned with his $10 million due next season. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that he would retire because he, uh, after post injury, he's, he's played pretty much lights out the last two, three weeks. Um, there was an interesting comment from his brother in the story in the Denver Post. I mean, it's become a very, you know, popular story and they're, they're, you know, uh, milking it a little bit, which is good. People like the feel good stories. But his brother said something along the lines of going out on top. That that would be the dream. Oh, champ's living the dream. He finally made the Super Bowl and now he gets to, quote unquote, go out on top. A lot of people, uh, jumped on that and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe champ is calling it. Maybe this is something where, you know, the Broncos had a special guest speaker before the AFC Championship game, and it was Wes Welker, uh, you know, t- talking about the Patriots a little bit. Maybe their special guest speaker the day before the Super Bowl is their own champ, Bailey, saying, hey, guys, uh, let's win this because uh, it would mean a lot to me. I might be done or I am done. Yeah, I mean, he might know, like, the Broncos aren't going to resign him next year or, that you know, they're going to cut him and ask him to renegotiate. He may know something that we don't know as well. Oh, he needs to restructure. If we're going to talk about the next <laughs> year, the, the number one the number one item on the list for 2014 offseason, restructure Chan Bailey's contract. That yeah. is – they have to. This... They cannot afford to pay someone who does not cover people paid half as much as him. He's the second second highest paid player going into next season. We've we've covered very well on this uh, this podcast how how many players the Broncos need to re-sign and repay next season. Yeah. The Broncos currently have less than ten million dollars uh, in the piggy bank for next season, and a guy like Champ Bailey is the second highest paid player. Um, yeah, you can't really justify not paying or paying him and not paying Chris Harris. Outside of that comment from his brother, I didn't think he was done. But, uh, but what, what I think the Broncos and Champ would talk about doing is restructuring his deal, converting him to safety, and getting two more years out of him. That would be a great – there's a hole there. The Broncos don't have an elite free safety and coverage. And Champ Bailey would really fit well there. He's a sure tackler, yeah. and he's got great coverage skills. And his speed is low just enough where he can you know, play sideline to sideline back there, and he can, he can close. Yeah. He, he has the potential to be a very good safety. We got Pop Adams as another free agent next year. So, Russell, is he really? Yeah, oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you, well. you name them, yeah. and they're a free agent next year. Other than Peyton Manning, Ryan Clady, and Champ Bailey, basically, they are free agents next season. <laughs> Renegotiate them all and then sign all the free agents. <laughs> Luis, Luis Vasquez, yeah, is another one that's signed. But other than that, there's Von Miller's in his last season next year. Um, Champ, or Peyton has, I don't know if he's publicly said this, but. Um, have you heard I've, – I've heard on Twitter that he said that he would pay, play through his contract as long as he's healthy. I heard uh, Chris Mortensen ran a report two weeks ago uh, saying Peyton was confirmed through 2014. I haven't heard Peyton address anything post-2014. Uh, he's taking it one year at a time. I, don't, I never heard anything about playing through the end of his contract. It's five one-year deals that he signed. Yeah. He's going to take it one yeah. year at a time. He's going to take his physical. He's going to see how he feels at the end of each year. What he said this year is that I feel good, and if my physical's passed, win or lose the Super Bowl, I'm ready for the Broncos in 2014, and that's great news because he's he's playing football right now. Of course, he's going to pass his physical. What's going? What is it? He's going to tweak his neck in three weeks? No, he's playing football right now. He's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we 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 are not talking about the Super Bowl enough. Do you get that? <laughs> it's the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah, the I want to talk about Super the Bowl. Bowl. 
with another concern, I think that that will spring forward just because it's an obvious one, and and you'll hear it as a talking point within the media circles is is Marshawn Lynch, and um, how good he is, and but, but there's two things. We've one, heard this before. The Broncos. I feel like I've heard about good running backs in the playoffs. Go ahead. <laughs> well, not even playoffs. It's just period. You name him, Lashawn McCoy. Broncos shut him down. He's the oh. best at back in the NFL this year. Um, Darren McFadden, Ray Rice. Jamal Charles uh, was Jamal okay. Jamal Charles I mean, twice. <laughs> he had decent games. I mean, he always has a decent game. But the Broncos shut him down as far as his big games. The best thing about Marshawn Lynch, which no one's going to bring up outside of the MHR walls, I assume, is that Marshawn Lynch's former running backs coach is currently employed by the Denver Broncos and Eric Stewsville. Buffalo. Oh, Buffalo. yeah, Buffalo. Yeah. There's one guy that, that knows one guy that knows how to shut him down. It's going to be... Oh, that was years ago, though. Marshawn Lynch is a different player. He he makes the most spectacular two-yard two yard runs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> if you watch that championship game, it was like tackle, miss tackle, miss tackle, miss tackle, spin move, jump over, two-yard gain. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. He has so much stamina and so much power. Uh, he's going to be a challenge for the Broncos. He's the most talented back the Broncos have faced probably since McCoy back in week five or whatever that was. Um, Marshawn Lynch is beastly that way, and he can make plays all on his own. The Broncos' um, defense better be ready, and Pot Roast is ready. <laughs> we got uh, some exciting news about Pot Roast, too. We'll break that at the end of the show. Yeah, um, and another thing, you can't discount their receivers. They're not they're not the Broncos' receivers, but they, they're quietly really, really good, and I think anybody who saw the game against the 49ers knows who Doug Baldwin is now. Um Golden Tate. Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, Golden Tate. They, they're not the – possibly they're not maybe the best guy. Well, they have one big name that they expect to be back. They are optimistic that Percy Harvin is going to be ready for the Super Bowl. And that's huge. There's not a lot of tape on that. There's some of a, of a divisional round playoff game on that. Um, I just, so that's, I, that's pretty big. I felt like you know everything that happened with the Saints two seasons ago and uh, Rafael Bush, a former Denver Bronco – was the one who kind of laid the knockout hit on Percy Harvin, but it looked like they were targeting him. Like it, it, it did not speak well to the Saints and their proclamation of innocence in targeting players. Bounty Bound like, gate. Yeah, it looked like they were going after Percy Harvin, and for what? You know, like Percy Harvin. Yeah, he's a he's a great receiver. Last year, like they haven't even they didn't even give him a chance this year. Every time they targeted him with the football, it was like bam, slam his head into the ground, bam, slam his head into the ground. Three hits later, the guy's done. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, I mean maybe that was their mo. What's their injury? What do they suffer from? Percy Harvin's well known to suffer from migraines. Yeah. Go with the head. That's just I mean that sucks. I hope that I hope that wasn't the case, but maybe. So just go matchup by matchup. Percy Harvin. Could have he was he was expected to possibly be able to play last week. So in three weeks, I I would fully expect him to be a go for the Denver Broncos game. Matchup to matchup, you got Baldwin, you got Tate, and you got Percy Harvin. That's like who if you're gonna go one on one, DRC covers Purse no. DRC covers Golden Tate, maybe. Got Champ in the slot on uh Percy Harvin. And then do you bring back Tony Carter? Tony Carter wasn't a liability. I didn't feel like too much against the Patriots, but he also wasn't covering anybody of Doug Baldwin's stature. Like do you who do you get Kayvon a chance? Yeah, Kayvon, we got two weeks to work on this. Like who's our 
who's our our right corner? Did you say Champ? I mean, I mean Champ's our left corner. Yes. He, Champ plays Chris Harris's role, and he right. did it well last week. So Champ is a left cornerback. He moves inside as the nickelback on nickel downs. Right. Uh, Dominic Rogers-Camardi is permanently on the outside. Tony Carter's on the outside. Uh, we don't get beat. We got beat a couple of times. We're lucky that Tom Brady had a couple of overthrows. Yeah, there. really lucky. Uh, yeah. So the Broncos got to play a little bit better than that. Um, Raheem Moore. Raheem Moore is still not on injured reserve. So mm-hmm. theoretically, he could play for the Super Bowl. But uh, we we have reports that say to the contrary. But as long as he's not on injured reserve, he's not on injured reserve. And, and one thing that is it that it should be admissible here is the fact that the Broncos have looked at at least two safeties um, today. We, we might find out more as the as the, a Tuesday goes on. We're recording this on Tuesday, but they did look at two safeties on on Tuesday. So I'm not sure whether that means that for sure. They yeah, they had a uh, former Indianapolis Colts guy, and there were two safeties were brought in for to, to I, be. Like, I heard that. Yeah, um, Colts guy. I can't remember names right now, off the top of my head, but we'll probably make somewhat of a little blip about it, a blurb about it on on uh, MHR, probably in uh, horse tracks or somewhere. <laughs> um, it's going to be a great matchup because these two teams. Um, are just the best in the NFL. They really are. It's a dream come true. They're the number one seeds in their divisions, and they've proven to both be decent home and away. Everybody keeps saying that the Seahawks struggle away. They have the same away record as the Broncos, which is 6-2, and two, which is best in the NFL. These teams both won in New York already this season. They both played the Giants in this stadium, and they both beat the Giants in this stadium. Uh, they're they're ready for each other. Currently, we're, we're, we're going to be breaking down every angle of this game in detail on the next episode or two of the MHR Radio podcast. And there's, it, there's absolutely we are scratching the surface today. We are going to go break down matchup by matchup and have a lot more information on Super Bowl Forty Eight. One one thing to, to just mention right now is currently and most likely as you're listening to this, New York City is uh, experiencing a blizzard. <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw any shots of Giants mm. over the of the stadium, but there's about six inches of of powder on the ground, which would make for just a brilliant uh, uh, Super Bowl. But I, that that game, the uh, it was the Eagles versus the Detroit Lions. I, that was a fun game to watch. It was just snow. Like field goals weren't an option oh, because yeah. there was too much snow. <laughs> that was that was fun. <laughs> hey, how about Adam Gase sticking around Denver? Adam Gase, uh, according to sources close to the Cleveland Browns, is has withdrawn his name as a head coaching candidate for the Cleveland Browns job. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, Cleveland Browns might have shot themselves in the foot waiting for Adam Gase, though they 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 lost out on on uh, pretty much everybody. Flirted with Josh McDaniels. Who knows what the story was with Josh McDaniels? Whether it was him or the, or the Browns who didn't want him. Um, and they were waiting around for Adam Gase, and now Adam Gase has removed himself from consideration. That doesn't mean that maybe they were waiting on Jack Del Rio, too, but we're the Seahawks guys. Um, they have a couple of names. They have some second interviews. I think the Browns will be as good as the Browns can be, which, you know, poor, poor Browns fans. <laughs> they deserve better. Um, but good, good for Adam Gase. I think a lot of people saw the same situation he did. You know, Adam Schefter, and Adam Schefter is solid, especially when it comes to Broncos inside info. He said on Sunday, on the air, before the games, Sunday morning, he said, there are reports out there that Adam Gase, you know, might not be interested in the Browns' job. Well, he, 
this is what Schefter said. I can tell you for a fact that he has told the Browns I will talk to you at the proper time, meaning that, yes, I'm interested in talking after the playoffs are done. Then this Tuesday, the word comes out that Gase tells them he's no longer interested. So what happened between Sunday and Tuesday? I'll tell you what happened between Sunday and Tuesday. <laughs> I will tell you. The Browns leaked – all these stories leaked about the Browns being very high and wanting to even trade up to draft Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. Hmm. That's a good they, theory. I mean that's my theory. That, that's my theory and I'm sticking to it. Adam Gase sees that. He sees two things. One, he doesn't have a lot of control over who his quarterback is. As a head coach, you want at least that much say. And two, this is an organization more focused on finding their quarterback of the future rather than their head coach. They don't understand the operational function of a football team. They have too much control up top, and they don't let their football people make football decisions. And uh, it's a bad situation. So Adam Gase got himself out of it, and kudos to him. Yeah, and I mean, it's not going to get. In, it's not like the Broncos are going to get worse next season. <laughs> so he's going to continue to get the momentum and the credit for at least half of what Peyton Manning does because Peyton Manning's not shy about handing it over either. Um, yeah, so he's probably going to have better opportunities next season anyway. And who knows what internally is being discussed in Denver? You know, maybe John Fox is like, you know what, I want one more shot. Give me two Super Bowls. I'm done. And it's your team, Adam Gase. Who knows? What an exciting week, man. What a, what a great episode of MHR Radio Podcast. We are we are in the Super Bowl, my friend. We are in the Super Bowl. Okay, um, yeah, to me, I'm not as excited as I should be maybe because I, I didn't expect that we wouldn't be here. Um, well, I, what? Blah, blah. <laughs> I did not expect it. I, I, the Broncos should have been here last year, and, and I'm kind of like – you know, we we all lived through the '96 season. We all knew what was happening in '97, and '97 was up to that point one of the best Super Bowls ever. And I expect that this Super Bowl is not going to be any different. And we got a lot to talk about. There's going to be so much more. Um, the whole NFL is focused right now on the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. You can't deny it anymore. Like you can't talk about New England Patriots. You cannot talk about San Diego Chargers because like, they're irrelevant. There's two relevant teams. And 50% of those two relevant are two relevant teams are the Denver Broncos. So we're going to hear a lot about the Denver Broncos, probably too much about the Denver Broncos, um, up to the point of like what they're eating for dinner and, and how so-and-so violated curfew. Hopefully not. Well, we are hearing what they're eating for dinner. Did you know that pot roast, Terrence Knighton, tweeted that he's only had pot roast once in his life? <laughs> Breaking news. He did. It was on SportsCenter today, too. He tweeted that like two days ago, and it was on SportsCenter today. It was like – I, I got an insight as to how Sports Center works today. I could just imagine the producers, they're like, this is an interesting story, this is an interesting story, and like sort them. It didn't make it, it didn't make the cut on Sunday, and it didn't make the cut on Monday. And then Tuesday, Sports Center, like totally out of things to talk about. Hey, Terrence Knight tweeted that he's only had pot roast once in his life. Let's put that up today. <laughs> I think um, Dookie yeah. and Nacho, I think it was, tweeted out. He's like, he was laughing in the tweet, and he says, uh, I love every time you guys call him pot roast. <laughs> yeah. So. Terrence Knighton is quickly becoming a friend of MHR. Um, I can't break all the news. Some of it has to stay a surprise. But uh, stay tuned. We've got some exciting, very exciting, never-before-done things happening with Terrence Knighton. Um, hoping we can get him on the podcast. Hoping we can get him on the site in a very unique way. Stay tuned. There's more announcements coming. Um, it's also possible 
Uh, SB Nation will definitely be in New York for Super Bowl week. It's possible Mile High Report will be there too. Uh, stay tuned. We've got a lot of exciting things that we're working on uh, for the next 10 days getting ready for the Super Bowl. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on the uh, Sammy Winder. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. The goose. The go- <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Ian, who are you talking about? Crabtree. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Jan is just covering his eyes right now. Jan's like, no. Who, who, I'm sorry, who are you talking about, Kyle? The, the Goose Gonsolin episode of the Mile High Report Radio podcast. Crabtree! Crabtree. <laughs> Mile High Report. All right, Jan, you can unmute your mic. Say bye to everybody. Bye, say, everybody. Say bye, to your, say bye, Mom. Bye, Dad. Bye, Mom. Dad. We'll be back. Actually, we're going to try and do more shows as we get closer to the Super Bowl, but just because we're getting closer to the Super Bowl, and why not? You guys, you guys are fun to talk to. Have a good day, and uh, we'll see you next time.